What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode five of Preloaded, the podcast dedicated to previewing and talking about all of the biggest and most exciting upcoming video games. My name is Josh Finderup, and I am joined, as always, by the other half of Preloaded, Mr. Jackson Vanover. How are you doing this week, Jackson? I am great, Josh. I'm really excited to dive in. Ubisoft, Xbox, we've got so much to talk about. We sure do. Yeah, we just uh, watched Ubisoft Forward, and we have a ton of Xbox news. We got a literal avalanche of Xbox news this week. We're going to talk about all of that, plus a little Call of Duty, so you'll definitely want to stay tuned. But before we get into anything, we do have some housekeeping to go over. Preloaded posts every Monday. You can catch the video version over on Jackson's YouTube channel. If you're not subscribed, he's J-V-J-A-Y-V-E-E on YouTube. Or if you prefer to listen, you can catch the audio versions on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you are listening on any of those platforms and you actually enjoy the podcast, we'd love for you to leave a five-star review or even a written review. That'll help us as we try to grow our audience. So we'd really appreciate that. You can also write into Preloaded at the email address preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. We welcome all of your feedback, but we'd love to get your questions. If there's anything that you want to hear Jackson and I talk about on the following week's show, whether it's games we like, games we don't like, anything you want to know about, send us your questions and we'd love to hear from you. And speaking of questions, we're actually going to kick things off this week with sort of a get to know you question of the week where you guys get to learn a little bit about Jackson and I. And this question, or this week's question, rather, is, in honor of all this console-related news that we got, what is your favorite video game console of all time? So, Jackson, I'll kick it over to you. So, Josh, I was thinking about this uh, today a lot, actually, and I've narrowed it down to two, and they're both kind of nostalgic for me. The first is PlayStation 2, because a lot of memories were made on that console. Ratchet & Clank, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, SSX, those were some landmark uh, video games that kind of shaped who I am and my tastes. But I have to give it to Xbox 360, actually, because that era and like 2007, I'm sure in a future podcast episode, we're going to talk about like the best year of, of video games of all time. And I think you have to give it to 2007, but just the sheer amount of games that came out that year that were so amazing, like Bioshock, Mass Effect, Assassin's Creed, uh, just way more. If you look up that year, it is just one of the best years for video games. So I have to give it to Xbox 360 for that reason. Yeah, and I mean, the Xbox 360 had a great run. That was an amazing console. Uh, For me, I can go way back as well. for my kind of nostalgia pick. And for me, I'm going to go with the Nintendo 64, which actually isn't, if you look back, it's not a great console in terms of its library. It's got a pretty small library, but that's where I played uh, Super Mario 64, which is, you know, on any given day, that could be my favorite game of all time. The Legend of Zelda, the Ocarina of Time, uh, just a ton of great memories with some of the Mario Kart 64 is another one some of these Nintendo exclusives. So again, like you with the PlayStation 2, I just had a lot of great memories on that console. But in terms of the consoles that I've probably gotten the most enjoyment out of, 
I got to be honest, it's probably the PlayStation 4. I just have really enjoyed all of the uh, Sony exclusives we've gotten to play. Um, I remember when I first got, this is going to sound like a knock on the Xbox One, but when <laughs> I first got, on day one, I got both the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4. And I couldn't play my Xbox One because I had a controller issue, so I had technical difficulties. And the PlayStation 4 just worked right away. And ever since then, I've kind of just been... That's kind of a, I don't know if a metaphor is the right word, but for my entire uh, experience with the PlayStation 4, it's just been great all the way through. Love the games on that system and uh, I'm really looking forward to the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X, which we are going to get into here in a little bit. But uh, we are now going to get into the games, kind of the news uh, of the week, starting with what is out this week. Every week we count down or rattle off rather all of the games that are coming out starting on Monday all the way through the Friday, the week that we post the episode. And this week, we've got four games coming out of note, starting with uh, Spelunky 2. That comes out on Tuesday, September 15th. And then Crisis Remastered comes out. And I should note, actually, before I move on, Spelunky 2 is on the PS4. And Crisis Remastered comes out on the PS4, Xbox One, and PC. That's Friday, September 18th. And then a big one for Nintendo fans, Super Mario 3D All-Stars comes out for the Switch on Friday, September 18th as well. And the last release, also on Friday, uh, WWE 2K Battlegrounds, which comes out for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. So which of those games are you looking forward to, if any, Jackson? So for me, uh, Crisis is kind of interesting. I don't think that I'm going to play it, uh, but for me... I am going to pick up Super Mario 3D All-Stars uh, for my Switch because I just got my office kind of gaming setup situated. I got uh, a couch in here, and so now I can just chill back, relax, and I really want to revisit Super Mario 64. I know you mentioned that um, as you know one of your favorite games on the 60, uh, Nintendo 64. I'm absolutely going to revisit that, and then uh, Super Mario Sunshine. I mean... It's just a, an amazing thing that they announced out of nowhere. Uh, what was that last week? And so I'm going to definitely spend some time checking those out. Yeah, same here. Um, I'm uh, maybe going to check out Spelunky 2. I didn't play the first Spelunky, but I know that people love that game. And to be honest, the gameplay does sound like it's right up my alley. So we'll see if I uh, have time to check that out because I am going to be spending some time like you are with uh, Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Moving on, we now want to look back at the games that came out last week with our review roundup. This week, we got reviews for The Outer Worlds, Peril on Gorgon, which was the uh, DLC for The Outer Worlds. And this is sitting at a top critic rating of 76. Uh, again, we use uh, Open Critic. Uh, top critic rating of 76 and a recommended rating of 61. And Kingdom's well, before I get into that uh, or go, move on, that seems a little low. Uh, did you play The Outer Worlds, Jackson? Yes, I did play The Outer Worlds. I did enjoy it, but it, I kind of came away feeling like it was a B-tier experience, you know, kind of just something that you can enjoy, but it's not going to knock your socks off. And I heard that the DLC is pretty much the same thing. So I'm probably not going to check that out. Yeah, I, I didn't play The Outer Worlds, but... uh. I was I was uh, disappointed for fans of the series that this didn't review a little bit better, but I guess you know seventy six percent not bad. Uh, next is Kingdoms of Amalur re reckoning. Excuse me, this is the re remake that was released of the popular RPG from I don't know seven or eight years ago. I think it is sitting at a top critic rating of seventy five percent with a recommended rating of seventy percent. Everything I've heard about this is that it's basically like a bare bones 
uh, uh, remaster. So nothing really new here. Next is NBA 2K21, which is sitting at a top critic rating of 67% and a recommended rating of 36%. Uh, that series usually reviews incredibly well, but not, not the best for 2K21. And lastly, we finally got a good round of reviews for Marvel's Avengers, which is sitting at a top critic rating of 69% and a recommended rating of 44%. I'm curious to get your your take on the Marvel's Avengers reviews or any of those others that I mentioned, Jackson. Sure, yeah. So for Kingdoms of Amalur, um, I I follow a YouTuber who was expecting a lot more. His name is Mr. Matty Plays, and he basically came out and said that he was disappointed. He think, he thought that there needed to be some more quality of life changes. And like you said, it pretty much came out as a bare bones remake. And uh, I was not a huge fan of the original game. I, I It didn't seem like a, a polished RPG and didn't really match what I was looking for out of one of those kinds of games. So uh, again, that's not something I checked out. So I'm probably not going to spend time on it. NBA 2K21 is very interesting to me. This is a down year for sports games. We saw the same thing with Madden NFL 21. People are just not vibing with those games. So that's interesting there. And then I haven't played more of Avengers, but it does seem that people recognize that it's got, you know, strong points, but the overall product kind of falls short. What did you think, Josh? Um, yeah, I mean, we'll get into this a little bit more in the uh, where we talk about what we played, but I have been playing more Avengers, but it's been a struggle. I am not excited every time I jump back into that game. I just kind of want to finish it for the sake of finishing it. That's uh, one of my uh, gaming peeves. I don't like starting games and not finishing them. Right. Uh, so uh, and then since I know the campaign is relatively short, I probably will finish this one up. But uh, it has not been. I actually think a 69 percent, maybe a 70 percent is pretty spot on for this game. Yeah, that seems where it where it is for me, even though I haven't played more than about five hours. Yeah, we'll uh, see how it goes for the rest of that game, and uh, I'll probably report back next week, hopefully having finished. Uh, with that out of the way, we are going to take our first break, and when we come back, we are going to get into the week in previews, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about, so we'll be right back. Welcome back. We are now going to dig into the week in previews. This is the section where we talk about all of the news that came out about upcoming video games and in the case of this week, upcoming video game consoles because we got a ton of Xbox news. The Xbox Series S was officially revealed. I believe this happened Monday evening and into Tuesday morning if I'm not mistaken and we also got some information about the Xbox Series X launch. I'm going to do my best not to confuse those two. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, the Xbox Series S is, we, we now know, releasing on November 10th. That's official. And it has a retail price of 299 US dollars and 249 pounds if you live across the pond. And pre-orders will start on September 22nd. So that's the Series S. The Series X launches on the same date, pre-orders start on the same date, and that has a retail price, as many had uh, anticipated, I think, of 499 US dollars and 449 pounds. So before I move on to the other details, uh, Jackson, did you have any initial reaction to these bits of information? So for me, I think we all expected the top of the line Xbox to not be more than $500. We know that Sony and Microsoft, uh, they learned from the mistakes of the PlayStation 3, which launched at the infamous $600. You just can't ca charge that much for 
uh, a console these days. And so they set that as their, you know, top of the line console, next gen console. But then the Series S, which we're going to talk about the specs and details of these, which still is very much a next gen feeling machine, is only $300. And so, yeah, that is just an awesome price point. And I think it makes things very interesting for these consoles. Yeah, I really think that um, with the the price of the Series X, uh, Microsoft put themselves or Xbox put themselves in the position to really compete with the PlayStation. And I'm so happy about that because I was starting to get a little worried. You know, Microsoft has kind of tripped over themselves a little bit lately with the delay of Halo or a lot lately, I guess, with the delay of Halo. Uh, But this price point, I think, really gives people a lot of value, uh, especially with Game Pass, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So, um, yeah, I think they put themselves in a good position. I, I, I really think they actually hit a home run with the Series S, which I didn't expect. I'm really happy about that. Now, speaking of the Series S, we did get its specs as well. And as you said, Jackson, this is definitely a next-gen system. Uh, to me, I think the, the the biggest confirmation of that is that this uh, box does have a SSD. Now, it is a 512-gigabyte SSD as opposed to the 1-terabyte, but... That's surely one of the ways they were able to cut costs and get the price point of this thing down to $300. Also, it has no disk drive. So this is a uh, digital-only console, uh, which I think is going to work just fine with Game Pass. Uh, then we also know that this is... A, everything I've read, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, Jackson, if you've seen something differently, but everything I've read has uh, been talking about how this the biggest difference between the series... S and the Series X in terms of performance is that it won't output at 4K. So if you're not concerned about 4K, it does output at 1440p at up to 120 frames per second. And honestly, if you don't have a 4K TV or you don't care about it, um, this might really just be a more viable option. So there's that. Uh, some other bits to, to mention. The Series S runs at 4 teraflops as opposed to the 12 teraflops of the Series X. And that, uh, you know, I'm sure will that comes into play with that 4K resolution for Series X. Uh, and then also the Series S has 10 gigabytes of RAM as opposed to 16 in the Series X. And then, of course, it's less than half the physical physical size of the Series X. So those are the kind of top line specs. Was there anything there that stuck out to you, Jackson? So for me, uh, nothing specific, but I did want to point out a particular tweet. And unfortunately, I don't remember who tweeted it, but they made a very excellent point Uh, That this generation, the leap between generations and offering such a great system at $300 in the Series S, like it's very difficult to build a computer, a PC with the components that you get from the Series S, including that SSD and just the performance that it will provide for a lot of games for less than like $1,200, which is just mind-blowing especially considering the frame rates that it's able to hit so um, I was very impressed by the Series S and it's honestly something that made me like think twice do I want this lower version do I want the Series X like it's kind of hard for me to make that decision uh, considering how good the Series S is going to be yeah I, I mean especially as you mentioned i don't want to sound like a broken record but especially at the price point uh the fact that they managed to cram all this hardware into this box at 300 dollars. again a 512 gigabyte ssd i i understand some people might be saying oh well that's only going to fit like five games or four maybe even yeah after the the operating system takes up some space but 
you know, SSDs aren't cheap. It is a fast SSD. And that means that you're going to get all the benefits of the, this, you know, that other next gen consoles are going to have like the, the fast loading and um, some of the other uh, benefits that an SSD provides. And I think that's really great for people who want a, a cheap entry point to next gen. So yeah, again, I think that they hit a home run with the series S particularly for people on a budget or, you know, let's be honest, you know, a lot of kids are going to ask for a next gen console for Christmas, but a lot of parents are going to be on a budget. So this is maybe the best option for someone in that position. Right. And what you mentioned there, I think perfectly encapsulates the the difference here. Like if you have, you know, Timmy, I hate to use that. That's like a stereotypical kid name. (laughs) Timmy, if Timmy wants a new console and he wants to play Fortnite and he wants to play Warzone and, then Xbox comes out and has Game Pass, which we're going to talk about later. Like, I cannot think of a better uh, value prop than this. It's just mind-blowing how much value people are going to get out of the next-gen Xbox. Yeah, and just real quick, I should note, you know, parents with kids aren't the only people on a budget, especially this year. You know, right. so again, with everything going on this year, it's just great to have a cheaper option out on the market. Uh, speaking of the kind of the financial aspect of this, they also announced that both of these consoles are going to be available through the uh, all access program, which lets you pay uh, incrementally over 24 months for these consoles. The details here are that it includes, uh, or rather for 30, for the Xbox Series X, let's start there. You can pay $34.99 a month, and that includes 24 months of Game Pass. So $34.99 per month for 24 months, and that works out to actually a little less than you would pay if you were to buy uh, a Xbox and pay for Game Pass outright. Now, the Series S is only $24.99 per month, and that also comes with the 20, and that's for 24 months, comes with the 24 months of Game Pass. Now, funny thing, that actually works out to a little bit more, about $50 more US dollars than you would pay if you were to buy them outright. I thought that was a little interesting, but more or less, you're paying about the same amount over the long haul, which is nice. They're not um, gouging you for more money if you decide to pay for these over the long haul. So this makes it even more viable for people on a budget. If you just don't have 300 bucks or even more 500 bucks laying around, which a lot of people don't, this might be a great option. Right. If you want to decide, hey, I want my Xbox to be my ultimate entertainment system. Maybe you don't have enough for a lot of uh, other entertainment subscriptions. Yeah, if if you just want to go in at the very bottom uh, with the Series S and pay twenty five bucks a month for two years, and you're not getting gouged on the payment plan, uh, again, it's just more and more value. It makes more and more sense, I think, for a lot of people. Yep. Yeah. So, really got to hand it to Xbox. You know, again, they kind of uh, stumbled a little bit recently, uh, but I do believe that they picked themselves up and got back on the right foot with these announcements. Yeah, Uh, I do want to mention there, uh, Josh, because you said earlier about Halo, it is a testament to how they've handled the reveal of this stuff that we are not still talking about Halo. I know that Halo was the big stumble and we were talking about Halo a lot, but the fact that they've come out with the pricing and all of this stuff and that's what we're talking about instead of going back and still thinking about Halo Infinite being delayed. Yeah, this is a big deal. Absolutely. I mean, I still think Xbox is going to have a bit of an uphill battle when it comes to the games available, but they do have uh, Game Pass, which again, we'll get to in a minute. You also mentioned just how kind of well they handled this thing, and and I want to touch on just how well they handled this leak, because this all came about via a leak, and um, Xbox was 
really on the ball. This happened late at night. Uh, well, it actually, I think, started kind of midday where the, the, the image of the Xbox Series X was leaked. And then it became pretty apparent to everyone that this was real. And Xbox came out with, did you see the tweet that they came yes. out with before yeah. they confirmed it? Yeah, with that, uh, the, the puppet, I don't know where it's from, kind of confirming. It's one like, of those memes. Yep, uh, that everybody has seen. And then they came out, <laughs> like, I think it was at like in the AM hours. I want to say it was like at one in the morning. I could be wrong about that, where they said, let's make it official. And they they confirmed that the Series S was, was real. So any other thoughts on the systems, maybe the look of it? Did you want to talk about that at all? Yeah, uh, it's very understated. Um, I think they're going for a completely different angle, obviously, compared to the PlayStation 5, which is this almost alien looking uh, machine, uh, kind of like a work of art. Um, I do like the understated look. The Series S looks very interesting with that kind of open vent sort of look on the top there. Um, It's nice that there's no disk drive in that. And uh, I'm hoping that that system is quieter. Uh, I'm hoping the same thing for the Series X, but who knows? I mean, my PlayStation 4 Pro is just so loud. It's it's unbelievable. Um, But I I like the way that the the Xbox new next-gen looks. Yeah, I I actually think the Series X is, for me personally, the best-looking next-gen console on the market. And funny enough, I actually think the Series S is (laughs) one of the worst. I'm not a big fan of the way the Series (laughs) S looks, but I think had they just made that vent white, it would have been fine. Like then it would have, they would have kind of looked like they're in the same family, but I just don't like how they look like they're almost in two separate families entirely. But that's just me. I'm not going to look at it all that much. The looks of the console don't bother me. It's funny that you mentioned the colors. Uh, I just wanted to say, because it almost feels like, and this could be, uh, completely off base but the two-tone look almost feels like they're trying to take a little aim at sony there with their playstation 5 two-tone look i mean yep you we can't not be considering that yeah i hadn't thought about that uh that is a very interesting point and another point i want to bring up going back to the price point i don't want to jump around too much but i thought it was really interesting that speaking of playstation this lower price point model, I wonder how many people who are like PlayStation hardcore gamers who were planning on getting a PlayStation 5 and that and have never wavered on that. But now we're looking at this and saying, well, maybe I'll also pick up an Xbox Series S. That's a great point. I hadn't thought about that. I think PlayStation's built up a lot of brand loyalty. But hey, if you've got this other console that provides such good value and you still want to play those Xbox exclusives, however few there might be, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. there's a really cheap option there. Yeah, for sure. So that's the, uh, the 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 hardware news that we got. A lot of stuff to think about. Uh, very cool. Um, a lot of people are saying, well, hopefully, and I think it's reasonable to expect we'll get some similar news from Sony in the coming week or weeks. Mm-hmm. But the Xbox news doesn't stop there. We also learned that EA Play will now be included with Game Pass, which I believe it's both Game Pass, the regular option, and Game Pass Ultimate which is amazing. Now, if you're not familiar, EA Play is EA's subscription service, and it includes access to more than 60 EA games, including FIFA 20, Titanfall 2, Need for Speed Heat. It also includes you know, some Battlefield games, Mass Effect games, uh, The Sims. However, it doesn't include every EA game, uh, where Game Pass usually features or does feature all of like Microsoft's first-party exclusives day and date. That's not the case with EA Play to experience those games, most of the games that are, you know, big tentpole releases, you will still get a 10-hour, up to 10-hour trial for those games. And they also announced that some of the games will be available via the cloud. And I'm assuming, they didn't say xCloud, but I'm assuming that that's what they were referring to. So 
Um, again, just adding tons of value to Game Pass here. Yeah, and it kind of fits in with what Xbox is trying to offer with Game Pass in terms of just a backlog. Like that is what EA Play, formerly EA Access and Origin Access. I don't even want to start about the you yep. know bungled naming conventions there with this product, but this kind of signals to me too that these were not a smash hit. They probably weren't doing that great. Um, and so it made sense for EA to go in on Xbox Game or I guess Microsoft to go in on EA and kind of get a little bit of value out of there. But yeah, it just makes perfect sense for the portfolio of Xbox uh, Game Pass. And you have to wonder, do you think this is going to increase the price of this product as they add more and more value? I Now, I've seen a lot of people speculate that Game Pass is just not sustainable and that they're going to up uh, the price as a result of that almost by default. I think that it's going to be a while before Xbox ups the price of Game Pass, even if they, you know, now they may have another option. Like, let's say that they add someone else to Game Pass, then they, maybe they'll have a third option that is more expensive, like, a, a you know, a Game Pass uh, Platinum. And, right. But I don't think that they're going to up the, the, the price of the base offering just because uh, I think that that would get a lot of backlash. I think that uh, Microsoft and Xbox have pretty much spent all of their... Uh, what what's the term I'm looking for? It's like social capital or something like that. But anyway, their goodwill, their goodwill. Yeah, I think that they have to kind of build that back up, uh, and they're doing it. They're, they've done some of that with the the Series S reveal. They did that with the revealing this that EA Play is now basically just part of the package without any additional cost. So I sure hope not, but we will see. Do you think that they will? Uh, I think there's a possibility. Um, I mean, fifteen dollars is. It was already kind of not I don't want to say that that is expensive because by enemies it's not but you're right that it's a it's a firm price point like $15 you can sit at that and it's something that makes sense for you know the value that you're getting it's even cheap for the value that you're getting so yeah we'll see that you know I'm I'm not sure how long it'll take for them to to say you know we're going to increase the price maybe they want to like you said build more xbox brand loyalty and that brand loyalty comes from game pass and how much value you get yeah and the other question this brings up for me is i really wonder what's in it for ea on this obviously more people will play their games uh but and you know xbox has said repeatedly that the more people play games on x uh on game pass the more those games sell so this to me indicates that that actually as kind of counterintuitive as it sounds that might be true and it uh makes me wonder how other, you know, Ubisoft has Uplay Plus, and this might, are, are they looking at doing something like this? Um, I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, it's a little tough, I think, for individual publishers. I don't know the backend numbers. This is just um, a speculation on my part, but I cannot see that it makes a ton of sense for people to pay $15 for each individual, um, you know, subscription, people are picking one. And so if you're a huge Ubisoft fan, maybe you pay, you play plus is for you and that's working for them. But I suspect that it's not like a huge smash hit. Otherwise, we'd hear about it more. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a great point. People already have a number of subscriptions when you take into account, uh, you know, all the forms of entertainment that people uh, have and having like three, two or three or even more video game subscriptions just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So this 
on the other hand, does make a lot of sense. Again, props to Xbox for uh, really providing just a ton of value here. Uh, Great stuff. And uh, we mentioned Ubisoft there. That leads into our next story, which was very unusual for video games. We actually got the opposite of a delay. We got a Assassin's Creed Valhalla's launch date has been moved up to November 10th to meet the uh, launch date of the Xbox Series X. So uh, not a whole lot to add to this story uh, from my end. It's very cool. What, what were your thoughts when this was announced? Yeah, so I think this is a great opportunity for uh, Ubisoft and Assassin's Creed to kind of gain back some traction. I think people were worried that Cyberpunk was releasing in the same week. But a lot of people are speculating that Ubisoft did this to get away from Cyberpunk. But I think uh, we're off base there if we're not considering the fact that this is a next gen launch title. Like now Valhalla is going to be a game that you can pick up on the same day that you pick up your new Xbox. And uh, Assassin's Creed is such a big uh, IP. You know, people have been playing it for years. So I think that is a huge boost for Valhalla, the fact that, you know, maybe you could even bundle this on day one with your new Xbox. Yeah, that would be really interesting. Actually, I hadn't thought of that. But, you know, uh, all the marketing has been aligned with Xbox for Valhalla. Now it is a multi-platform release, obviously, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was part of the uh, the deal that they initially signed where this would launch day and date with the Xbox. So uh, that's going to be great, especially with the potential lack of, you know, first party titles. This will give people a big juicy game to sink their teeth into on day one with the xbox so that's that's great news speaking of great news i don't know about that transition but we'll roll (laughs) with it uh for people who are zelda fans hyrule warriors age of calamity was announced it is releasing on november 20th and perhaps the most exciting news here is at least i would think is that this is a prequel to breath of the wild now when people hear that they might think oh it's going to play like breath of the wild this might be the bad news with this announcement is that it is actually a hyrule warriors sequel so it's a sequel to hyrule warriors and a prequel to breath of the wild and that means that it will have that hack and slash one versus 1000 i think the 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 name is muso gameplay so it, it does look like it has a bit more of an action-adventure vibe than some of those other Warriors games, which I think is cool. It also has the same visual style as Breath of the Wild. So uh, I, I think this is actually a pretty exciting announcement. What were your thoughts? Yeah, so for me personally, Josh, I've, I've mentioned on the podcast I'm not a huge um, JRPG guy, but it kind of extends to Japanese games, and it's it's just like a matter of what I grew up playing. Um, the kind of 1 versus 1,000 style uh, does not appeal to me personally. And uh, it's not that I expected Breath of the Wild 2 and this came out and that I'm disappointed. It's just that being a prequel to Breath of the Wild isn't like a selling point for me and neither is this type of game. So uh, kind of just eh on this for me, but I know this is very exciting for a lot of people. What about you? Um, I have never been a fan of those Musou-style games. However, if there was one that were to pique my interest, this would be it. I also like how they are, um, I'm not going to remember their names, but you can play as many of the characters in Breath of the Wild. And what is perhaps most intriguing is they said that they're kind of incorporating some environmental puzzle elements to this game. And that sort of stuff always is interesting to me. So we'll see um, if it ends up reviewing really well, then I might pick this one up and check it out. Uh, Also to kind of get those pre- Breath of the Wild story details might be interesting, but given what November is starting to look like, <laughs> I'm just going to be honest, I probably won't get to it, but it, it does pique my interest. 
Yeah, it's it's hard as uh, a a person, as someone who plays the games that I do, for me to say that I'm going to be interested in this game when it comes out a day after Cyberpunk. It's just tough. <laughs> yeah, I mean that everybody's going to be playing Cyberpunk, so you know, yeah. we'll we'll wait and see. But odds are that's what I'm going to be playing. Uh, not to mention a few other games. Now, a game that I am very interested in, based on its initial showing at the PlayStation Five reveal, is Kena or Kenna. I'm not sure how it's pronounced. I know there's some. Uh, people debating that, um, Kenna Bridge of Spirits. And that got some new information revealed uh, on, I think it was uh, Game Informer had a, a cover story on this game. Now, if you don't remember, this is kind of like a action adventure for the PlayStation 5. Now, I do believe it's releasing for the PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. Anyways, they detailed some information about how this is going to perform on the PlayStation 5, which I find interesting. Obviously, we know it's going to have faster load times. Some details we got, it's going to load just opening the game. I guess booting the game will happen in just two seconds. The load screen that they built for the PlayStation 4 to, or kind of the animation, the they just did away with that entirely on the PlayStation 5 because the load times are so fast. And then we also got some information about how just a lot of the assets on the screen, the, the forest environments are going to be much more rich there's a uh, type of character in this game called the rot which apparently are these numerous i don't know what you would call them but characters that appear on the screen and there's going to be a lot more of them on the playstation 5 than the playstation 4 so nothing here that is really surprising but still cool to kind of hear that games are going to be noticeably better on the playstation 5 yeah i think that's a really solid like selling point for sony and playstation it's like Look what you've seen that's already amazing on the PlayStation 5. Now go out and spend $500 because it's this much better on the PlayStation 5. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I've heard that the Rot are kind of like Pikmin. That's what people are uh, comparing them to. So the fact that you're going to see even more of those on the screen and that's like a core part of the experience is actually a legitimate reason to want to go and pick up a PS5 if you love this game. Yeah, you know, what this reminded me of in terms of the graphics, not so much the load times, but when, I don't know if you remember when uh, Grand Theft Auto V came out with its next-gen version from, it it, it launched on the PlayStation 3 and uh, Xbox 360, but then they released a next-gen version and it actually looked way better. There were there was more foliage and there was just the, the graphics were much better. So this reminds me of that. I don't know if that. Yeah, uh, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's funny. Uh, I don't mean to get on a side story here, but that game had no business launching on the, on the PS3 yeah. and, the, uh, and the 360. It just ran horribly. But then you look at the games like that that can be released on the next gen and it just completely is a selling point like oh my gosh i can actually play these games and enjoy them um in a in a way that is satisfying yep yeah and i'm i'm also happy to see this game got a cover story on game informer one little detail is i i did hear that it's they say it's a game you can finish in comfortably in a weekend so this isn't going to be a big epic long game but it is one that i'm interested in i think it looks really cool really charming me too uh, the next game we heard about is a massive game, not in terms of length, but in terms of just it's a, it's kind of the blockbuster game uh, that we all uh, get to see every year. Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War got its multiplayer reveal. And Jackson, you are the resident Call of Duty guy on this podcast, so I'm going to kick this one over to you. Okay, so a lot of creators got to go play Call of Duty Uh, Black Ops Cold War and streamers and then they also had an official reveal Um, I had some quick impressions that I wanted to share some odd things 
there are health bars on multiplayer enemies in this game, hmm. which was like very Borderlands slash Overwatch to me. It's like very strange to see something like that in a multiplayer shooter like Call of Duty. But that's what Treyarch does. They kind of make their own decisions and it's kind of a, a, a contrast between what Infinity Ward makes. But I've also watched a lot of previews. People say that the aim down sight on snipers is very quick. So if you like to quick scope out there, this is the quickest apparently since Modern Warfare 3 which was nine years ago. So that's an interesting change there. Um, There's also an awesome new mode that caught my eye called Deniable Ops. And as someone who's played Call of Duty for so long, I am always craving something different. I want something different. And that's what this represents to me. It's a 12v12 mode on slightly larger maps than the normal uh, 6v6 fare. Uh, But you have very specific objectives like VIP. You have to escort like NPCs across the map. Um, You've got vehicles like tanks, which some people like, some people don't, but I kind of like how it adds a little mix and variety compared to the normal 6v6 stuff that you're playing most of the time. And then we learned that score streaks are back and they carry through death. A lot of people don't like that, but as an objective player myself, I like to go for the flag. I like to get, you know, um, areas in domination. That is where I derive my joy, not from getting nukes and killstreaks. So Slayers may not appreciate that. I love that change personally. Um, Also, in terms of gun customization, there is so much possibility kind of building off of Warzone. We can get apparently up to eight attachments on a single gun, which is kind of Mm -hmm. mind-blowing. We'll see how that actually turns (laughs) out uh, in the game. And then if you guys are worrying about Warzone, we didn't get a ton of information. They did confirm that we'll have cross-progression, excuse me, um, similar to Modern Warfare, we're going to have more details on Warzone closer to launch. But overall, it looks very much the same what you expect from Call of Duty with some slight you know, surprises depending on what kind of Call of Duty fan you are. Very cool. So as someone who has not jumped into Call of Duty multiplayer since Black Ops 3, one thing that struck me about this is it seems like, and I don't know if this is a big deal or not, but it seemed to me from the trailers and especially what I saw from the deniable ops mode that there's a big emphasis placed on like vehicles and almost like, I don't want to say exploration, but and story, but that seemed to be an element as well. That stuff was intriguing to me. Am I, am I reading that right? I think you are. Um, I think they wanted to put a front facing focus on the deniable ops on the 12 V 12. Um, so yeah, they want to weave sort of more of a story experience into Uh, the multiplayer matches that you are playing, which like you, that's awesome. I think that's a great move for this franchise. Yeah, I hope that uh, this continues to evolve the Call of Duty multiplayer, you know, scene uh, because they've they've got their work cut out for them to keep people interested. And it seems like they're doing a good job. Absolutely. Uh, So next, we just have some quick hits because we want to get into our discussion about the Ubisoft forward event uh, really quickly. Uh, We did get some news that Cyberpunk 2077 multiplayer, when that eventually comes out, that's not going to be part of the base game. This is a separate release that's going to be released probably in 2022, it sounds like. Anyways, I believe it was the creative, let's see, the CEO of CD Projekt Red came out and said that they are going to have, uh, excuse me, microtransactions in this multiplayer experience but they're not going to be, quote, aggressive. His direct quote is, we won't be aggressive. So if you're interested about uh, Cyberpunk multiplayer, I suggest looking that up. Also speaking of uh, Cyberpunk 2077, we did get the official confirmation that the next Night City Wire will be held on September 18th. 
Uh, we will cover that here on Preloaded, but unfortunately, it happens on a Friday and we record on a Thursday. <laughs> so uh, our, our, our thoughts on that might come a little late, but we look forward to discussing that. And then finally, we, fu- we got some uh, skull and bones news. Basically, the news here is the game is still in production, but it has a different creative direction. Uh, so it was the creative director who came out and said uh, Skull and Bones has been in full swing with a new vision. And then she did say that they won't have anything at Ubisoft Forward, which we know, but we will hear more about this game next year. So that's Skull and Bones. So speaking of Ubisoft, we now have our topic of the week. And this is going to, uh, I am going to hand this over to you, Jackson, because uh, you got to play kind of the star of the show immortals phoenix rising now we saw a lot at this show and we're going to try and get into as much of it as possible but i really am excited to hear your hands-on impressions of immortals phoenix rising i am so excited to talk about it um yeah it was i guess not surprising considering the the lead up that ubisoft gave it but i was still even after playing it a little shocked that it was the star of the show like no joke this is this was you know kind of the big premiere event for Ubisoft. So um, it's funny. I've noticed in these previews that Ubisoft doesn't show everything that they're going to show in Ubisoft Forward. So some of the stuff that you guys got to see for the first time, I was also seen for the first time. Um, So things like customization, like visual customization, that was shocking to me in terms of like customizing Phoenix. I thought that was just the base character. I didn't even realize that we were going to be able to change the way that she looks. Um, And now that I'm thinking about it, Josh, do you know if we can change the gender of Phoenix in this game? That I don't know. Um, I mean, I really don't know much other than what we saw in this event and in the post show. And I don't think they covered uh, that at all. Um, And, and I'd be fine with it. And, and, Interesting. There's, you know, Ubisoft has been kind of under the gun, especially there was one story about how in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, uh, they went against having this idea, the the idea of having a strictly female protagonist. So it would not surprise me at all if they just said, you know what, let's make her a woman and let's let's stick to that. And I think that would be great if they did that. Yeah, me too. Um, So regardless of that customization there, uh, the main takeaway for me for Immortals is that it feels like the game that Ubisoft Quebec wanted to make when they made Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And I think it's super important as well when I say that to make the distinction that I'm not saying that because I thought Odyssey was a bad game. It's just that a lot of the fantastical elements, the humor, the lightheartedness um, that wasn't really typical of the Assassin's Creed series felt off in Odyssey for a lot of people, including myself. And so to see that that has been kind of unleashed and unchained and made its own IP something completely unique um, is fascinating and was really exciting for me to play. And the game takes a lot, a lot, a lot of notes from Breath of the Wild, which is never a bad thing. But I don't know about you, Josh. I was always confused as to why we didn't see someone try to ape Breath of the Wild sooner than now. Because Breath of the Wild as a format is just very compelling. Kind of the bright colors, the open world where you can see everything. All those landmarks kind of not graphically impressive, but stylistically cool. Um, Yeah, I I was really impressed with what they uh, showed for Immortals. Yeah, uh, well, to answer your question, I I agree. I mean, I think we've seen it in a few indie games, especially with the visual style. But in terms of gameplay, you know, maybe it's just a tall order to... to, uh, you know, try to 
replicate what Breath of the Wild did. But uh, in terms of AAA games, I agree. It's it's kind of surprising we haven't seen it. I will say that there were some elements in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, like the ability to climb literally anything that I have to imagine was taken from Breath of the Wild. It seemed like that mechanic is in Immortals Phoenix Rising as well. Uh, there were some other things that I thought was just, it felt like I was almost watching a you know, Breath of the Wild 2 trailer. Uh, not only when she's climbing, but there's like, it seems like there's a mountain peak in the middle of the land <laughs> or somewhere in the land that's covered in this red or pink corruption. Looked very much like the, uh, the, the Calamity Ganon in Breath of the Wild. Then there was her ability to... Um, uh, lift up rocks with these golden kind of lassos, and that looked very similar to the uh, magnetic ability in Breath of the Wild. So clearly they're taking inspiration, but that's fine for me. You know, one of my favorite franchises is uh, Darksiders, which is completely derivative of other games. <laughs> and this seems to be like a derivative of uh, Breath of the Wild, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and God of War. Like, it seems like they all just said, let's try to combine these three games into one and see what what we get. And I have no problem with that. It looks awesome. Actually, from watching the presentation, this immediately jumped to one of my most anticipated games of the year because I love all three of those games. Yeah, that's a great description, Josh. I think you pretty much nailed it there on kind of the combo and what to expect. And I completely agree about this being a derivative experience. Some of our favorite games are they just are derivative derivative and it's doesn't make it any less of a game if it is. And so uh, the the overall impression was that this made uh, um, an impression on me that it is all its own and it's completely going on its own direction, even if it is borrowing some elements. Yes, it does kind of look similar to Odyssey in some ways. There's some holdover. It's probably in the same engine, but at the same time, um, it felt like a wholly unique experience to me. And I can't wait to play it either on December 3rd. I can't believe that it's coming out this year. Yeah, really soon. One question I do have for you is how much did it feel like other Ubisoft open world games? Because they are pretty, for, they're kind of known for being formulaic. Did it seem to stray from that formula or did it seem like, oh, did you clearly feel like, oh, I'm playing a Ubisoft open world game? That's tough. I think that some people will play this game and think that they are still playing a Ubisoft open world game. Um but at the same time, I think if you look at the overall um, product, I think that it's distinct enough and uh, more towards Breath of the Wild. You know, it's 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 more towards just inherent exploration. You're not going after this progression constantly trying to grind. I think this will feel less grindy than a typical Ubisoft game. Yeah, that'd be nice. And uh, if it feels like a more of like an action adventure, which it certainly looks like. Exactly. That's what I'm hoping for. So yeah, uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising comes out December 3rd, like you mentioned. And uh, if anybody here watching, if you haven't already seen it, Jackson posted, I will correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't been to your channel just yet, but didn't you just post a video with your impressions? I did. I posted a 30 minute long video as long as I could make it without getting in trouble. So everything you need to know is in that video. <laughs> awesome. Moving on. In terms of what we saw this afternoon or this morning, uh, the next big announcement was Prince of Persia is getting a Sands of Time remake. Uh, I was expecting this. This was not this leaked like everything that Ubisoft <laughs> seems to do. And I'm really excited because these games are awesome. However, I wasn't impressed with how this game looked. It looked kind of, I don't know, it didn't, didn't look as great as I had hoped, but it's still exciting. Because again, if you haven't played these games and you like kind of exploration based or focused action adventures, this is a great one. Yeah, Prince of Persia inspired Assassin's Creed. A lot of people don't realize that. So the wall running, the platforming, it's very Assassin's Creed feeling. 
and I played Prince of Persia back in the day. Warrior Within was a was one of my favorite games um, at the time. And so you're right about the visuals. I agree there. It's kind of hard to be blown away by it. But they also said that they want to do a faithful recreation. So that is kind of their out for me personally. It's like, yeah, it doesn't look that impressive, but it's a remake that's trying to be faithful. And so it's kind of OK to me. I'm not sure that I'm going to play this, though. Yeah, I don't know if I will either because it actually I I played the uh, all three of the Prince of Persia games in the trilogy recently on the remake that they made for the PlayStation 3. I mean, it was a couple years ago, but still fresh in my memory, so I don't know if I need to re-experience it, but if you haven't played these games, they are really fun. Uh definitely recommend them. And then uh the next thing we saw um of note, I think this was right next in the presentation, we got to see uh some Rainbow Six uh stuff with the the World Cup that they're doing. So some competitive stuff on the Rainbow Six Siege front. Was this interesting to you at all, Jackson? So I can't say that I'm a Rainbow Six fan, but I know there's a lot of fans of it. And they also announced that it would be getting a next-gen upgrade this year, not next year. So this will be upgraded to the current generation once the Series X, Series S, and PS5 are out. Yep. Yeah, so I'm I'm right there with you. I'm not much of a, well, I'm not a Rainbow Six fan fan at all not that i don't like it but it's just not my cup of tea though i know a lot of people really love that uh rainbow six siege in particular so very cool the next reveal that they gave this is actually something i don't think did leak amazingly enough there was a surprise (laughs) here we didn't know about and this was what i saw the most people in the chat getting really excited so that's good scott pilgrim versus the world the game complete edition now i didn't play the original scott pilgrim but i or i guess this is the original, it sounds like, just some sort of complete edition. However, I know that this, in terms of beat-em-ups, is one of the most beloved beat-em-up games that has you know been released in the last, I don't know, 10 years. Yeah, I this is a blind spot for me in terms of uh, video games in general. I have not played Scott Program. I haven't watched the movie. I don't know if this has any tie into the movie. So uh, I, quite frankly, have nothing to say because I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, I, I didn't play it, but I do. Again, I know that a lot of people love this game. Uh, so cool for the fans of the Scott Pilgrim uh, franchise and that game that this is getting uh, uh, kind of brought back and it's coming out uh, in time for holiday. So maybe 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 this is something you'll be able to play on your Xbox one uh, or excuse me, Xbox Series X. Uh, moving on, we got to see a Watch Dogs Legion presentation, uh, which showed a bunch of the new characters that you're going to be able to play. Uh Having done a, a pretty in-depth Watch Dogs preview on my channel, uh, if you're curious about Watch Dogs Legion, I would check that out. There actually wasn't much new here that we didn't already know in terms of those characters and their abilities. But it was they did do a good job of showcasing that, yeah, you're going to be able to take control of any of these characters, and they're all going to be very diverse and support different gameplay styles. So that's cool. But the new information here was that Aiden Pierce is coming back from Watch Dogs 1, the first one. Uh, my initial reaction was... Why bring Aiden back, not Marcus? Uh, I don't know if you played either of the Watch Dogs games, but Marcus was such a better main character than Aiden, in my humble opinion. I could not agree more. I don't like Aiden Pierce. <laughs> He's just, yeah. he just, what, like, I don't know. I, there was so, I was live streaming Ubisoft Forward and someone in chat was saying, Aiden Pierce is back, oh my gosh, I really liked him. But in my memory, there was nothing remarkable about him and Marcus was an awesome protagonist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, however, 
Maybe this is a hint that Marcus will be coming back with some future DLC because I I forgot to mention this was part of a post-launch season pass offering that Ubisoft is putting together. It seems like they're supporting, you know, or at least they're going to support Watch Dogs Legion well after launch, which is cool, Uh, especially because I kind of get the feeling that this game is going to, I hope it doesn't flop, but with everything coming out, it seems like, especially Cyberpunk, which is another kind of modern techno uh open world game we'll see how Watch Dogs legion does i'm really looking forward to it uh yeah i i think that with the season pass ubisoft strategy they look at uh origins and odyssey and see just how well their season passes and post-launch content did and they think they can do that for legion and we'll see yeah and i hope so uh, i do think this game looks really cool uh, it has a lot of potential i'll definitely be playing it uh the next game that they revealed this was a brand new reveal again one that might not have actually leaked riders republic Uh, This is an extreme sports multiplayer kind of extravaganza where it looks like you'll be able to mountain bike, snowboard, uh, like wingsuit, all this sorts, all these sorts of uh, extreme sports down these open. I don't know if it's open world, but the impression I got of this game was this is basically it looked like steep, but with all extreme sports. I don't know if that's accurate, but. It looked cool for people who are into this. Yes, I think that's a good way of describing it. It looks cool for people who are into it. And um, I feel like this is just another attempt of Ubisoft to get into the sports kind of market for video games. Um, but this just kind of a confusing game to me. And I this is, this is my visceral reaction. Um, I have the utmost respect for developers um, who work on games. But I'm just kind of like, uh, this just didn't land for me. Um, I, I just don't understand how... There's a new sports IP in Ubisoft's portfolio when we've already got the crew. We had Steep. You know, we've had experiments with these kinds of games. And it just seems like Ubisoft is taking another stab at a sports kind of open world multiplayer product. Yeah. And it, it kind of makes me think that, OK, Steep wasn't the success they had hoped for. So they're, they're like trying again. And there must <laughs> right. be there must be something here for them because they this looks like they've invested a lot into this game. It, it does. It does look like a huge project. Yeah. So Riders Republic is set to release on February 25th next year. So we will uh, kind of wait and see what this game turns into. Uh, with that, we are going to take our first or our second break, rather, excuse me, uh, and we will be right back to talk about what we've been playing. And we're back. Now we are going to talk about what we've been playing this past week. Jackson, what's been uh, what have you been spending your time with? So in contrast to last week, I have not been playing a bunch. Um, I've kind of just been crunching away at projects like uh, my Immortals preview. So for me, I put a bow on uh, Black Flag. I'm still finishing up some exploration stuff, but um, I just want to say that I love that game. It's one of the most fun Assassin's Creed's even to this day. Uh, So I played that and then I played the three hours of Immortals and that's about it. Nice. Yeah. Well, uh, I have been playing. um, I I did not take it easy this week. I finished (laughs) up the last campfire and I, again, I recommend that to anyone who's looking for kind of a bite-sized uh, exploration-focused adventure where you solve a lot of puzzles. It's a really charming game. It's by the same developers who made uh, No Man's Sky. Again, The Last Campfire, definitely check it out if that's your cup of tea. I played a lot of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. Uh, I kind of completed the um, the base campaigns for each of those games. And, you know, I had a lot of fun with it, but it wasn't as addictive as I remember those games being. I do think that gameplay style is a bit dated. That said, 
if you are looking for, if you're nostalgic for Tony Hawk or you're really into this kind of combo-driven, um, high-score-chasing gameplay and you like extreme sports, Tony Hawk is, for that, it's great. So uh, I do recommend it. Um, and then I have been playing more Avengers, like I mentioned earlier in the show. It just hasn't been uh, pulling me back in. I've kind of had to force myself to pick it up and and try and power through that story. And it's really the story that I'm interested in. The gameplay, to be honest, doesn't do a whole lot for me uh, on that front. So I'll probably put that game down once I do finish the story. Uh, and with that, we are going to dig into our mailbag. At the end of every show, we want to take questions from our our listeners and our viewers. And this week, we got a question from David who asks, and I will mention before I read the question, you can write in to Preloaded at the email address preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. So if there's anything you want us to talk about, uh, particularly about video games, but heck, send <laughs> us any questions. We'll try to get to as Maybe much no as we medical can. advice. We're not doctors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, well, yeah, no, that's a good point. <laughs> Um, I'll second that. Anyways, from David, we got the question, which are you going to play first? Valhalla, Assassin's Creed Valhalla or Cyberpunk 2077? Or are you going to attempt to play them both at the same time? A question that's probably on a lot of gamers' minds. Uh, you go first, Jackson. First off, I want to say shout out to David. I believe this is one of my patrons. Hi, sir. Thank you for your question. And thanks for sending that in. To answer that question, now that Valhalla is coming out before... It is an easy answer. It's going to be Valhalla for me. Um, I, I anticipate that I'll get a review code for Valhalla, so I'll be playing it a tad early anyways. But in any case, I'm definitely going with Valhalla. I'm going to play as much of that game as I humanly can uh, before Cyberpunk comes out. But I am definitely a one-game-at-a-time kind of person. It is hard for me to juggle multiple games, even though I've done it recently. It's not something I like to do. I like to focus on one thing, finish that, then move on. So for me, it's going to be Valhalla and then Cyberpunk. Nice. I am going to probably, well, I have a feeling I might pass on Valhalla, at least when it comes out. The reason that um, I'm not too high on Valhalla is I just spent not too long ago 100 hours platinuming Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And I also played Watch Dogs uh, 2 as to prep for my preview video I did, and then I played Ghost of Tsushima. So I have had my fair share of open-world games, particularly Assassin's Creed. And then we've got uh, Cyberpunk coming out, which is another massive open-world game. So to kind of prevent myself from getting even more open-world fatigue, I'm definitely more excited for Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah, it's hard to say which one I'm most excited for, just being the Assassin's Creed fan that I am, but just looking at what cyberpunk is and how hyped everyone is. It's just kind of hard not to get sucked in and be extremely excited for that game. It's going to be so good. Yeah, yeah. And again, uh, you can write in with more questions, uh, preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. We read everything that we get and uh, we'll look forward to uh, bringing up uh, one or more of your questions next week. And with that, we are going to wrap things up. If you, again, are listening on any of the audio platforms Please drop us a review. We're really trying to grow this podcast into something that goes on for as long as we can. We, we love doing this. Uh, we love talking to you guys every week. So um, if you leave a review, that'll definitely, well, particularly a good review, that'll support us uh, as we move forward. And uh, with that, Jackson, other than the video you just posted, anything going on on your channel in the coming coming days or weeks? I think I'm still in the planning phases, but maybe a Black Flag video, but also I'm starting to work on um, a cyberpunk video that'll be out after Night City Wire. So expect that in the coming weeks. 
Nice. And on my end, I am getting much closer to finishing, finally, my Assassin's Creed Ultimate Preview. So if you were disappointed that we didn't get to see any Assassin's Creed today, stay tuned to my channel. Uh, I'll have uh, my preview on that coming up as well. Um, and you can find me if you haven't already. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Quest Mode Games. Jackson, where can people find you? I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at JV on YT. All right. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in, uh, listening, and watching. We really appreciate it. We love, again, seeing you every week. And we will see you next week on Preloaded. Bye, guys. Bye.